guys. Welcome back to the Chasing Truth podcast. I'm Presley. And I'm Grace. And joining us today is Reverend Perry Gothier. He is the president and founder of Capital Studies International and also the host of a brand new podcast called The Capital Minute. Um, In that podcast, he looks to give Christians a good biblical view of God and government. And so we will link all of the information and links to that in all of our descriptions. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about the separation of church and state, legislating morality, and also the role of faith in government. So stay tuned. We are so excited. And yeah, see you later. Here we go. Perry, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. I'm excited to be on, and I love your title, uh, Chasing Truth. It's it's like, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. You Thank you. So for our listeners that don't know, do you want to just share a little bit of who you are and what you're doing through your ministry? You betcha. Glad to. Well, I'm uh, the founder and president of Capital Studies International. I'm an ordained minister, um, and Uh, I'm basically a Bible teaching pastoral evangelist in the political realm. So if you think of FCA, that they're trying to affect coaches and athletes and all that they influence. Well, in Capital Studies, we're doing the same, but for political leaders instead of athletes. Mm -hmm. So we want to reach political leaders in all uh, three branches and in all four levels, city, county, state, and federal, um, because government is God's idea and a very good idea at that. So mm-hmm. we feel as part of the Great Commission, as missionaries, that these political leaders need Christ and uh, they need the gospel. And I was radically saved as a freshman at UNL and got born again, just totally changed my life. Um, and so Uh, We think the same is true for political leaders of any age, any place. uh, They need Christ and Mm -hmm. they too can do that inside out change and and be saved. So in a nutshell, we're trying to reach political leaders for Christ. Um, A state senator introduced me at a a lobbying event in a big hotel one night uh, to a lobbyist and said, well, Mr. Lobbyist, this is Perry Gothier. He's in the Capital, and he's chasing the devil out of the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's funny. <laughs> I couldn't have paid for a better compliment. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, it's like, good way to say it. And I think the lobbyists said, well, the devil's probably everywhere in that building. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, just like everything else, mm-hmm. um, politics can get dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't mean gov- government's not God's idea. So that's the essence of our ministry. We're trying to to reach, like Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, the church must reach the state with the gospel, and the church must teach the state with the word of God. Well, Pastor Bonhoeffer, why? Because the church has a better ethic. And we'll talk about ethics and yeah. morals and right and wrong, yeah. in, if not this this time, next time, because um, that's the essence of what the church does, and it's the essence of what the state needs. Mm-hmm. So that's our ministry, and my lovely wife, Faith, we have five kids, but we have an empty nest, mm-hmm. and so uh, we love that, but... Yeah. Parenting never changes. You pray like <laughs> 10 times harder. Because <laughs> you can no longer <laughs> put the little kid in the high seat and say, you will do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. 
But we oh, love so the empty fun. nest and happily married to a dear woman. Uh, I like to joke that uh, I'm walking by faith. I'm sitting by faith. I, <laughs> I'm, even, I'm even eating my dinner by faith. Wow. <laughs> Lots of faith. <laughs> right. It goes up awesome. real well in churches. If I'm preaching in a church as a guest <laughs> preacher, it's like uh, we have some fun with that. I but, bet. But together, we've ministered in over 33 U.S. capitals, including D.C., wow. um, with her by my side in the last uh, four years. So, and you know, time's limited, so not a a big impact, but a way to influence within each capital, trying to get people to see uh, what we've been doing for going on 14 years now over there. And I point that way because I'm about six miles from the Nebraska State Capitol with with its 400 foot tall tower so that's that's what we do we're based here we love the lord we love his word we love the gospel uh and we just are fixing to help as many people as we can and our number one goal in the ministry as well as the upcoming podcast is the glory of god because that's the chief end of man Mm -hmm. and i told some pastors in plattsmouth this week i said some are confusing it pastors some are thinking the chief end of man is evangelism and mm-hmm. it's not evangelism is so important mm-hmm. but if you think the chief end of man is evangelism and uh, you might be willing to compromise what god says in his word about murder about homosexuality about theft you know and on and on and on because you don't want to offend people mm-hmm. because it's it you, they got to hear the gospel Right. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just a mess. And many of the churches have their head in the sand governmentally and they won't they won't get involved in government. One of my mm-hmm. podcasts coming up is called Who Really Cares About Government? Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of pastors don't because they've idolized uh, the sharing of the gospel, mm-hmm. wrongly thinking that if you can just act nicey, 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 and don't say sodomy is a sin, and don't say a man should have one wife and be faithful and loving to her, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the craziness of immorality, not just sexually, but in every area, yeah. if you offend somebody, surely they'll be mad at you and you can't share the gospel. That's just totally false. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I so, think what yeah, I'm, I just wrote a paper on this, actually. But the whole wow. point of the gospel is salvation. But salvation from what? Salvation so from God. sin. And yes. God does not show partiality to sin. We are all sinners. If Christ wanted perfection, he wouldn't want me because I am a sinner and I am so bad. And that is why I need the gospel. If we don't point them to their to their broken situation, we can't give them the solution. We can't help them find satisfaction here on earth and eternal life in the next. So, um, yeah, so, so helpful. And we need so many more people like you in our Capitol buildings. I love oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm. I'm looking for them, and and there's a lot of yeah. uh, good-hearted people, and there's a lot of dear. When I uh, speak in churches, a lot of times I'll say the kings of the earth must be saved, because Acts nine fifteen, uh, when Paul, who is Saul, going to become Paul, mm-hmm. when he's blinded on the Damascus road. The Lord tells Ananias, don't be afraid of this guy because I'm going to use him. And he says three things about him. He will reach the Jews. And thirdly, he'll reach the Gentiles, two huge worlds. And right in the middle, sandwiched in between at like a slice of steak in a big old sandwich (laughs) is the kings of the earth. Mm -hmm. So 
it's almost like reaching the kings of the earth is as important as reaching the whole Jewish world and the whole Gentile world. He puts them on par. And he mm-hmm. says, Paul will do that. And Paul's missionary journeys were primarily to capital cities. Mm-hmm. So when I when I start to unload this theology in churches and people just eat it up because their pastor ain't been teaching them about about what the Bible says about government. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, that's such a, that's such a problem as so many churches aren't willing to take stances on these issues. And that's why we see so many Christians clinging to the social justice movement or not Mm -hmm. knowing, not knowing how to stand on things like abortion. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It's a problem. I had a girl reach out to me from a local church here that, and I was just so blown away, but she said, um, how could you as a Christian be pro-life? Like legitimately could not connect the religious worldview values of our Bible to our political stances as pro-life voters. Like I was, wow, that's pretty crazy to me. Pretty crazy. It's, it's amazing to me, the churches that are just, you know, giving into the woke culture, trying to please everyone for the sake of the numbers and the offering. Um, We have to be preaching the truth. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much Uh, for what you are doing. And you have a podcast coming out. Um, (laughs) Care to share a little about that? You betcha. We'd love to. It's called the Capital Minute. And the slogan is teaching citizens about God and government one minute at a time. Mm. Originally, this was going to be a bot radio show, and there I was going to be on after Jay Seculo and Perfect Drive Time, and I couldn't raise enough money, and then uh, other things happened. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Virgil Walker, mm-hmm. uh, dear brother and friend, shout out to Virgil. Yeah, um, we love Virgil. <laughs> uh, and of course, go to Omaha Westside Church and just love the bold stand that the church takes. The pastors do not have their head in the sand. They're totally loving toward all people, yep. uh, but they will speak up like Absolutely. Christian pastors and churches should, instead mm-hmm. of being ashamed of God's Bible uh, on uh, on any issue, they speak boldly. And mm-hmm. so we love that. Well, Pastor Virgil in December said, man, you got to do this. <laughs> yeah. the table. We were at Panera Bread. He hit the table and said, you got to get on this. So here we are, finally just launched uh, yesterday uh, yeah. with, uh, with the Capital Minute. And it's really fun because just in bite sizes, I think it'll grow. I think um, I'm Mr. Motormouth. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think uh, I was kind of nervous, quite frankly. Uh, how do I do this? And because they're just one to three minutes long. They're just little mm-hmm. snippets of truth. And we're three times a week. So, so we'll see if it grows. But we'll be covering things like... Uh, can kings be big babies? Uh, another podcast coming up is um, 50 million Christian voters. And mm-hmm. we'll un- unpack that real soon because of the election mm-hmm. coming up. And um, who will pick the next president? In that podcast, I say, I know. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you. Mm. And uh, I and, wonder uh, who. So, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, and it's it's. I told uh, we've got a, a podcast team on our capital studies team. You know, different people doing different things. And I told them, I said, "Well, what's the vision?" I said, "The vision is the glory of God, because mm. that's the chief end of man." And secondly, to help dear people, because people are undertaught in this whole area, because a bunch of pastors going around, we don't get political. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we got a whole, 
<laughs> so got a whole lot of teaching to do. And this is just Bible stuff. So my point is, I, I told one of the teammates on this Zoom call, there were seven of us, and I said, if I fail to mention biblical reasoning, even just a portion of a verse, as to why in this little podcast, this little chunk of truth on church state theology, if I fail to mention biblical truth and reasoning, I have failed. Because mm-hmm. I'm not one of these pastors. Well, well, they don't know the Bible. It's Greek to them. It's a post-Christian culture. Just speak their language. No, no. The Holy Word of God mm-hmm. has the power to create the worlds. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think I'm safe quoting it. Yeah, meant to that. Yes, the word of the Lord is sharper than a two-edged sword. Yes. Yes. Have you guys seen that in in your interaction, your podcast, your conversations? Are people ashamed of the Bible? I would say people just want to um, try and bring it into our times and kind of change or reorient Scripture to mm-hmm. fit our times and to make it more mm-hmm. hip or cool. And what we're trying to do is to take our times into biblical, you know, like we want to, we want to explain the Bible for what it is and what it truly means and not change scripture to fit our agenda. Right. And I think a lot of times the Bible, when you read it there, it's easy to be offended if you're literally translating it and not using, you know, coma method hermeneutics. But something that we have to remember is if we are offended or if we have a problem with the word of God, the, the, you know, burden of proof is not on scripture itself. The burden of proof was on us. It means that we're not really understanding truly what it's saying. We don't know enough about it and we need to dig deeper. We can't, you know, say, oh, this offends me and then walk away. We need to dive deeper into scripture. Um, And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. um, Getting into a first question, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you want to explain, you know, should our religious values influence our politics? And if so, how? Yes, great question. You know, I like to say this, that that your worldview and your religion, even if it's a secular religion of humanism or atheism, those are becoming more and more popular, Mm -hmm. um, but, but they are religions. Uh, so whatever your worldview religion is, whatever you hold most highly, that's your religion. Um, I was arguing with an atheist a couple of years ago, and, he, and I said, well, your, um, your God is reason and science. He said, I told you I don't have a God. I'm an atheist. I said, oh, no, you have a God, little g. Mm-hmm. But philosophically, God is defined as uh, a being greater than which nothing can be conceived. So your highest thing, as I listen carefully to you, my friend, your highest thing, your God, is science and logic. Uh, That's what you value most highly. And so because of that, your worldview will percolate up into your politics. So here's what I like to say is that it's unnatural for your religion not to affect your politics. Your religion, I like this terminology, um, before I had a K-Rig coffee maker, the old <laughs> coffee makers, were they would percolate. And the coffee, you'd put the grounds in the bucket, the water, and then the steam, and it would percolate up. The steam would percolate up into the grounds, and you'd get a pot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to say that your religion will percolate up into your politics. So... Um, two illustrations. 
1776, uh, the founders, they write the declaration, there's unalienable rights, uh, the constitution and the declaration um, based heavily on Christian Bible doctrine, not mere deism. Uh, so that worldview, cre- it bubbles up and it creates this document called the constitution uh, with all these pre- precepts taken from the Bible, and before that, the Declaration, because man is made by a creator with unalienable rights, and government um, are instituted to um, ensure those rights. That's all Bible stuff. That's It doesn't have, you know, the verse and the chapter and all that, but that's all thoroughly biblical. Yes. Okay, so so that, the, the faith and religion... Uh, especially after the Great Awakening, that God was gracious to give America. Um, The holiness and the righteousness of the preachers, the righteousness of the people in America produced by the Great Awakening, the Puritan ethic and all the biblicity that traveled across the seas to get here for religious freedom, all that stuff percolated up into what what I believe is the greatest uh, government and country in world history. And we sprinted yes. to the finish line to that status in only a couple hundred years. Whereas you look at other nations that have been around five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve hundred years, they don't compare to us at all. Now, we're on a slippery slope downward, but that's because the government has neglected the church and the church has been weak. So, uh, that's one illustration. Uh, 1776 is a great illustration of the faith of those founders. Half of the signers of the Decla- Declaration were seminary graduates. Hmm. They knew Bible. Everyone knew Bible. <laughs> uh, huh. So here's another illustration. Let's shift gears, shall we? What if you go to Afghanistan, where the Holy Quran is the book, mm-hmm. with its 114 surahs, which are chapters, mm-hmm. and that holy book, the Quran, uh, and then, then the Hadith of Islamic teaching, they say this, that Muhammad is the perfect Muslim. And that uh, uh, he had 26 women in his life, 15 or 16 of them were wives. So you, but you were shifting worldviews here into different religions. And let's see how it percolates up. So you've got things in uh, the Quran or the Hadith, which is the, the official universal teaching of Islamic people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, Muhammad's a perfect Muslim. He had 22 women in his life, 15, 16 of them were wives, and one of them was named Aisha, A-I-S-H-A. He married her when she was six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and But he was such a gentleman. He didn't consummate the marriage till age nine. Now, when I heard that for the first time as a Christian minister, I was furious. That's illegal. That's wrong. That's illegal in America. That's wrong in America. That is sinfully, cruelly perverted. Mm-hmm. That's but get, where am I coming from? I'm coming from that's a p- perspective of a Bible-eating Christian man. That's yeah. and that's what I'm going to say. So mm-hmm. I am. Oh, I'm infuriated by this. Well, guess what? You go to Afghanistan, and guess what? The Islamic religion does. It percolates up into. To a law that law is called Sharia. Sharia is their constitution. Mm-hmm. 
So just like I compared 1776 and Christianity bubbling up mm-hmm. into this incredible document mm-hmm. uh, called the Constitution and its Declaration, which they must be linked, uh, you can go and see a Sharia Constitution, which says that's okay. And it says that one Muslim man uh, can have four wives of any faith, but one Muslim woman, she can only have one husband and he uh, must be a Muslim. You see the the strategy there, the political, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, those are two illustrations of how faith does yeah. affect your politics. And it really is yeah. kind of natural because if you think murder is wrong, why wouldn't you want the law to reflect that? Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, um, I'm okay with the little steps of victory against abortion. But what I really want is abolition yeah. of abortion because it's either murder or it's not. That's either a person mm-hmm. with personhood and unalienable rights or it's not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think based on my Christian worldview, it is. Yeah. So I think the answer is yes. Um and really, the only question is, whose religion? What mm-hmm. are the truest and best eth- ethics in the world? Mm-hmm. I believe it's a Judeo-Christian ethic, and I believe it always will be. Mm-hmm. If this world lasts another 600 or 4,000 years, or it ends in 10, and Jesus comes back, um, the best ethic with which to inform the world, save lives, give mm-hmm. hope and vitality to all of culture, not just the church, mm-hmm. is the Judeo-Christian ethic. Yeah. So yes and amen. It does and it should. Your faith has to affect your politics. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just so important too to, you know, just acknowledge that every single government ever established on this earth was established around shared values between people groups. And so it's kind of hard to keep religion, which forms your values out of your politics. Um, But here in the United States, we have something called the separation of church and state. And I will be honest, I don't know a whole lot about this, but we, Presley and I have heard a lot about it on our podcast, just in response to our abortion episode, people um, like to cite this specific clause as reason that our religion should not affect our stance on abortion. So um, could you take some time and just unpack what is the separation of church and state? And um, yeah. Absolutely. I would love to. It is so, it's so vital. Um, Sometimes I say this, the separation of church and state is a total myth. And what I mean by that is the way it's understood now. Yes. The way it's understood now is exactly the opposite of what it really means. Mm -hmm. People would say to me when when I go about telling them what I do with our missions to politicians and teaching Bible studies uh, to our state leaders, you know, all through these years, they say, how do you get away with that, with the separation of church and state? I said, well, uh, two ways. Number one, we know what it originally meant. And the originators of that phrase, you got to study what they wrote and how they lived and what they meant by it. So that's called original intent. Just mm-hmm. like with scripture, you've got to understand authorial intent. Mm-hmm. What did Paul mean? What did Moses mean in Deuteronomy? You know, what did James mean in James chapter two? That's authorial intent. So in a historical setting, we we care about what's called original intent. So we're going to look, we'll talk here briefly 
on Thomas Jefferson, who's the author and the originator of that phrase. So I told people, number one, we know what it originally meant and still means if you stick to its true and noble meaning. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we know our rights. I'm a citizen. I got my uh, First Amendment rights. I have freedom of religion. I have freedom of speech. And I may not be hindered thereof. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it. So uh, the separation of church and state in simplest form, here's a good nutshell statement for you, is designed the true, the true doctrine, the true thought of the separation of church and state, as our founders meant it, is designed to keep the state out of the church not mm. keep the church mm-hmm. out of the state. Mm-hmm. It's a, I call it a one-way valve. The water can flow from the church into the state as the church, which is its role in culture, is to codify, is, is to um, support and promote ethics. First Timothy 2 says the church is the pillar and support of the truth. Mm-hmm. So, so why did Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in the pressures of Nazi Germany, say that the church must teach the state because the state cannot be led to its uh, to its own devices because it does it's not an originator of ethical truth. That's mm-hmm. the church's job. Mm-hmm. Now the state has a job, and I'd love to talk sometime about the five institutions: church and state, marriage and family, and commerce, and show you how they each have a role in culture. Well, the role of the church um, is to bring the gospel and the word of God and a true ethical definition. So the church uh, has produces the ethics. The state takes the ethics, and if they have the right ethics, they turn. Uh, those ethics into laws, and they press those on the culture from the outside. The church tries to reach the culture through the heart, through the mind. Isaiah 118, come let us reason together. Mm-hmm. The heart and the mind with the, the love of God, the gospel of grace and forgiveness, but also a declaration of what holiness is and and what we should live like. And when we don't, how we can be forgiven and we could try again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Life yeah. is the cycle of uh of that, so the so the one way valve um, of the influence of the church is never to be shut off. Mm-hmm. I, there's a young pastor I disciple, and I tell him um, that the state is doomed without the church, because what the state will do is it'll it'll worship itself, it'll grow and grow and grow, and pretty soon it'll pop. It'll invent its own ethics that aren't right ethics because they're not Bible ethics, mm-hmm. and it'll swell until it explodes. Mm-hmm. And the explosion thereof is is devastating to culture. Mm-hmm. So yeah. separation of church and state, um, I'll say this and then maybe get some pushback to see if if you, that brings up questions into your mind. But yeah. the the let me say this, the this term when you're attacked or challenged on separation, church and state, um, be real patient with folks and say, tell me this, where is that in the Constitution or mm-hmm. the Declaration of Independence? Mm-hmm. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you find it yet? They won't find it. You could give them 12 hours and they won't find it because the phrase is not in our law. It's not in our founding documents. Separation church and state is not in the founding documents. Hmm. But the truth of what it means is found in the First Amendment. 
Mm. Okay, let me tell you where the phrase comes from. President Thomas Jefferson was the third United States president. On October 7th of 1801, the Danbury Baptists in Connecticut wrote President Jefferson. They were concerned that the Congregationalists in that great state were going to use his power against the Baptists. (laughs) So these churches are all concerned. Mm -hmm. So they write this famous letter to Thomas Jefferson and Nehemiah Dodge, one of the elders um, in that church, probably a deacon actually, because Baptists, he writes this famous letter. You can read it. Just Google it. Nehemiah Dodge, Danbury Baptist. Jefferson doesn't answer him until January 1st of 1802. And basically, here's a summary for you. He writes back and says, don't worry about me as president interfering with issues of the church, your church or for their church. Because here's the phrase with his scroll, his uh, <laughs> his is a feather pen. Yeah. <laughs> ink, right? Yes. scribbling on that parchment. Here's what he said. For a wall of separation exists. What did he mean? He meant, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay out of this. Mm-hmm. Because, and he's just reflecting on the, the foundation, 1802, 1776. Uh, he's reflecting on this fight for freedom and what, this new nation that was birthed out of the struggle um, of breaking off from England, he's basically saying the state will stay out of the church. Hmm. That's yeah. what it means. So no one has a right to tell me to leave that Capitol building or any Capitol anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm there to share the good news of the gospel, to teach the Bible, etc. I have a right to be there. Now, the, mm-hmm. the First Amendment proves that because it mm-hmm. says that you have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, mm-hmm. and it shall not be hindered. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, thoughts? Well, and the, the ironic thing is that they're telling you, you know, get to step out, you know, separation of church and state. But in reality, they're enjoying and experiencing the freedoms that they have because of the goodness of the gospel and the truth of God's word that mm-hmm. how you explained our nation is founded upon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's just the irony. I wish people would see. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's totally it. ironic. You know, sometimes people attack uh, Governor Ricketts. Um, like if he prays at in the Capitol on Easter and says, remember Jesus died for our sins and mm-hmm. he was raised, you know, um, and or Christmas or Lieutenant Governor Foley and what's mm-hmm. he doing with that nativity scene in that capital? You know, the the atheist foundation attacked him, and mm-hmm. um, so I'll I'll step into those fights as a minister um, because ministers always should they should always be at the forefront of the ethical issues and be willing to to fight and like in 1776, even die, because many of those Mm -hmm. leading the charge, it was the ministers that started the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. So I will come to the defense of Governor Ricketts, whether it's social media or wherever. And one atheist said uh, recently, uh, Governor Ricketts, why don't you get your religion out of my politics? My tax dollars are paying. How dare you waste, you know, taxpayer money and time promoting your religion? And uh, I'll dive into that and I'll say, well, you know what, Perry here, hello. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
let's see, last time I checked, Governor Ricketts was a citizen of the United States mm-hmm. with unalienable rights, including First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. And the First Amendment is first, because if you don't have religion and speech and free conscience, none of the rest matters. Mm-hmm. You're just a slave. Yeah. Uh, so those that First Amendment with the freedom of religion, I said, he has constitutional rights. He didn't... Um, drop him off at the door when he became governor. Yeah. So he has the right to speak just like you are speaking your religion right mm-hmm. now. And guess what yeah. they say? <laughs> I don't have any religion. I'm not a Christian. What about me? Yeah. I said, well, you know what? Jesus Christ loves you and you really should turn to him because mm-hmm. you're, you're just like me, a, a big old sinner. Yep. <laughs> you, you too can be forgiven. And, yeah. but until you come to that point, um, you have the freedom to speak, don't you? Mm-hmm. With your, religion of Mm non-religion and uh and i have the freedom to whether i agree with governor ricketts or not which i do Mm -hmm. um, in these issues it's uh he has freedom of speech and so so they try to make a separation when there then there is none and here and the other hypocrisy is they're doing it they're promoting their religion yeah uh, it's just an atheistic religion right Mm -hmm. yeah because if if someone who does not believe in god if that is their worldview is telling me that i cannot allow my worldview to be brought into politics then they're trying to through their worldview get mine out of you know what i'm saying it just it contradicts each other itself and we can't have you know a clause in our government and something that we use in our culture like separation of church and state to contradict the law because first and foremost free speech and we can speak freely everywhere and that's amazing in this country so, yeah yeah absolutely you know it's interesting because um when governor foley i i think it was three christmases ago maybe four he uh promoted and gave a little speech when they put a nativity scene in, in mm. the capital in the rotunda mm. so that's gone on for years and then one year the um the atheists who are called the Americans for freedom from religion. I like to tell them uh, it's freedom of religion. religion. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. so I, um, when Lieutenant Governor Foley was being attacked uh, about having that nativity scene, I said, you know, he has every right um, to promote, which by the way, the majority of Nebraskans are, Christian, at least in general ideology, they believe in a God, they believe Mm -hmm. in the Easter and Christmas messages, even if they're not saved or born again, they generally believe that. Um, So it's kind of a hypocrisy when, Mm -hmm. when, um, and I, so here's what I like to tell them in those kind of junctures. I said, uh, by the way, where did the, the term separation of church and state come from? You know, crickets, uh, you know, <laughs> I come back the next day. Hey, I asked you yesterday. I know we're all busy, but did you have time to think about or tell me where that came from? Well, let, let me tell you where it came from. Thomas Jefferson, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. January 1st, 1802. I said, now here's what the founder, it not only matters what they wrote, it matters how they lived. And Thomas Jefferson was not the most religious of our founders, him and Franklin um, and Pain were three of the least, but they were overwhelmingly, and not deists, but Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another revisionist history thing. Everything's were they were a bunch of deists. Uh, I said, but the found the the author of that phrase, the separation 
of church and state. A wall exists of separation. Guess what he did on Sundays? He went to church. Do you know where? He went to church in the United States Capitol building where they held a church service inside the Capitol building at his request. And he made sure the Navy band was there, government money, government time, government building, Mm. to uh, lead in worship and praise. And again, not the most religious of our founders, but a brilliant man. Um, Mm. When he was asked, why do you go to those services in the Capitol every week? He said to be a role model for the citizens of this great nation. So they need to see me in that role. So he knew the vital role, let's just call it religion. It happened to be the Christian religion. Mm -hmm. But look at the sanity and the civility and the the Christian ethic of all of that. And and he also signed into uh, law and let the Congress pay for the printing of Bibles with Mm -hmm. taxpayer dollars. And so they printed it's called the Eitken Bible, printed that. They distributed it to the American Indians, and they, even congressional money was approved by President Jefferson to pay for missionaries to reach the American Indians. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So you've got to go back and read the original intent, what really happened, huh. and then you can come forward and say, my friend, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'd be glad to share you with with you a little history. Yeah, yeah. all in love, all <laughs> truth in love. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So now that we know that our biblical worldview and our Christian values and the morals that God has given us have to in- influence our government and have to influence the way we vote, how now that we're looking at this next election coming up, we're looking at two different candidates. Something I've heard a lot is, you know, Trump, he just doesn't act all that godly. He doesn't act meek or just right. humble, humble. There's no sense of <laughs> no humble humility. About that man. <laughs> he doesn't like. I want to vote for the most godly candidate. What would you say to people who are looking to vote for a more godly candidate and not a more biblical platform? Yes, I would say it's a mistake. <clears throat> um, in fact, somebody posted. Um, some thoughts um, from Pastor John Piper, who I greatly respect. Um, And his comment recently, which I don't agree with, um, was basically what you just said. How, why would Christians be so intent to ignore the character of a person? And he's done this and he named four things that were, you know, they'd be sins in the Bible and and it is mm-hmm. pointing out or accusing the president of displaying. And then, then he names uh, other issues. And I commented because the friend that <clears throat> posted it said, hey, friends, do you have any thoughts? And I commented, and he, here's what I said. To um, the character of one man and his particular faults, which Pastor Piper is pointing out only his faults, by the way, mm of his character. He's got many great character qualities, generosity, industry. Um, So, but the faults that Pastor Piper has pointed out 
about one man are a thousand times less than policies based on bad theology and evil mm-hmm. that could crush American citizens and damage, kill, and restrict the freedoms of millions mm-hmm. of citizens for decades. Mm-hmm. Because even if he's in for eight years, what he does will carry on and last because government changes slowly, law changes slowly, it, it should change slowly, um, etc. So um, I believe, look at the platforms, look at the theology and the policies behind the platforms, the worldviews, mm-hmm. and and decide. I mean, Joe Biden's no saint if we want to talk about those. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what this race comes down. I have friends that, that want to vote for the third third person out there, or vote for nobody. I don't agree with that. Kanye. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yes. right. He found Jesus. <laughs> that's right. So, but I'm not going to vote for that third person. And um, I believe in the the primaries to vote for the Mm -hmm. ideal candidate. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down, especially in this crisis in which we find ourselves, Mm -hmm. we are in a civil war. The explosion that happens on November 3rd, as evidence of the civil war we're already in, who knows how terrible that could be. Mm -hmm. But these are crisis times. And in this pressure cooker, I'm not out for perfectionism of a person, neither yeah. one of them's perfect, but neither neither was Jimmy Carter, who's a born again Christian, whose initials were JC, who said him and his wife read the Spanish Bible through in a year as as well as the English. Yeah, well, neither uh, are any of any are any of us on this podcast right now. Like we're all broken, sinful, yeah. sinful people. We're just asking God to use us. <laughs> yes, Amen. That's so well said. Yeah, there there is no perfect person. Also. Uh, a comment on the the presidential thing. There's a difference between an elder in a church. Mm-hmm. I've had to put my mind around some things about a man in the ministry uh, supposed to be elder qualified and the 20 plus qualifications that must be in a man's life as mm-hmm. patterns, not perfection. There's nobody perfect. Somebody said this week, Jesus ain't running for president. <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting thought. We're not looking to elect God. We're looking we're, to elect someone yeah. who can allow people to, in freedom, individually seek him and glorify him mm-hmm. um, individually. Exactly. And the character does matter. And we wish uh, his was better. Um, yes. You know, yes. We, there's those obvious faults. Yep. He's a very... Mm-hmm. He's a very bold man, um, and part of that <laughs> <That's> territory. <for> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just don't go on Twitter, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, we're not electing people say, well, what's the Bible say? Well, the Bible, of course, the Bible says character matters for all of us, but there, the qualifications um, of all these character qualities are for an elder or a pastor in a church, mm-hmm. not for a political leader. Mm-hmm. And the better the character of the political leader, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, may it be. But yeah, in this race with two very imperfect candidates, or or last time with Hillary versus Trump, it's like, oh my goodness. And <laughs> but I had to default because I couldn't, you know, it's just, oh man, I'm so excited about both of their character. <laughs> not, not at all. But what did I do? I went to the to the big planks in the platform. Amen. And the one says traditional marriage. The other one says sodomy is awesome. The one says Second Amendment rights. The other one says we will take your guns. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
just the issue of abortion. The issue of abortion, abortion, which I think is the issue in my Mm -hmm. mind because it's the leading issue, and all the other issues are lesser. Um, So it, you know, all the other issues matter, but if you don't get life right, how are you Mm going to get the other issues right? And so Trump, uh, even though he, in his former years, was pro-abortion. Um, ran with the um, Republican platform plank of pro-life. Well, this is absolutely not. And as you've seen some recent things, some are, are even for abortion. Uh, it's infanticide after birth, mm. you know, mm. on the table mm. after birth. So this murderous regime, it's like, and then people want to confuse the reality of life with the quality of life. Well, golly, it's hard. The immigration system can be better. So people come here illegally because it's so hard. And it's really a hardship on their quality of life. And they came here illegally and can't we treat them nicer? And okay, that all matters. Mm -hmm. But what about if you don't have a life? What if Mm. uh, little Juan or little Sally is killed? Yeah. At age, yeah. you know, five months, yeah. or as some would have it in some platforms, even after birth. Right. Um, then, so what I like to say is, is stop confusing the issue of life with the quality of life. Mm-hmm. No matter what party you're in, um, we've got it. The Church of God has to speak the Word of God, regardless of the of the party, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, the GOP doesn't have it all right. That's <laughs> for sure. But yeah. back to the bigger question, the major planks and the major ethical things in these platforms, uh, to me, it's a clear um, yeah. decision. And I mean, with all those things that you stated, we have to vote for the platform that is going to further protect individual freedom because God does not just Desire, desire a government to please him. God desires each individual person to seek him and to seek his will. And I think that it's very clear, especially with the issue of abortion, which party, and I mean, let's come down, it comes down to the party, not the person at this point, um, which party is going to honor God and allow or allow people to honor God, I should say, um, yeah. in this, in the next four years. So, so good. Thank you again so much, Perry, for coming on. We'd love to have you again um, before the election if that works out. But um, thank you. And everyone, be sure to tune in to the Capital Minute podcast. You can find it on, I found it on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, everywhere you find your podcasts. Um, Just short little minutes on God and government. So thank you again, Perry. Oh, you bet. Thank you, ladies. The blessings on your work. And thanks for having me on. Let's keep spreading the word. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, guys.